how they get Facebook fright. <laughs> oh, me. I, I love your pastor, uh, Barry. We spend some time together and eat out every now and then and just talk and share, and I just love him so much. While I was at Southside, I knew Barry was some kind of a preacher, and uh, so I would invite him over for a revival. did so several times while I was there. And, uh, but one thing unique about him, when he preached, I'd always have to talk to people in the finance area to put a shoe allowance in for him. Because that man covered some territory when he preaches in revival. He's up and he's down. He's over and he's around, you know. He wear out a pair of shoes doing a revival. So uh, he's just a great man. I love him. And I, ho I hope you love him and his family as well. And it is a joy to be here. And I appreciate Barry giving me this opportunity. If you would, take your Bibles and turn to the Old Testament, Numbers chapter 13 and 14. Now, I'm not going to read those two chapters. You, most of you will be familiar with the story. It's God calling his people to take the land of Canaan to be theirs. And we know something about the struggle that went on there, Joshua and Caleb being the only two of the 12 spies that were sent out that really took God at his word and said that we can take this land. Uh, but the other 10 voted against him, and in a Baptist church, majority rule. It isn't always right, but it does rule, and it ruled there. And, of course, they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. I suspect during that 40 years, a number of people wished they had listened to God. The story is told by Billy Graham in his book, Just As I Am, about a conversation he had with President uh, John F. Kennedy. On the way back to the Kennedy house, the president-elect stopped the car and he turned to Billy Graham. They often rode together. And he said, do you believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ? I most certainly do. Well, the president asked, does my church believe it? He was a Catholic. Not putting down Catholics, but he was a Catholic. And Billy Graham responded, he says, yes, they do. It's in their creed. And then President Kenny looked at Billy Graham and said, well, they don't teach us much about it. We don't ever hear anything about it. So Graham explained in simplicity the second coming of Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, and the fact that he's coming again. And then Billy Graham made this statement <clears throat> Uh, to then President Kennedy. He said, only then are we going to have permanent world peace. Very interesting, the president responded. I'd like to learn more. Well, they'd arrived at their destination and they departed and it was a while, but at a prayer breakfast, the two President Kennedy and Billy Graham, who were good friends, met again, and Billy was sick. He made a short speech, he said. I don't know if a Baptist preacher can do that, but he made a short speech, and President Kennedy had some remarks, and then they left together, 
And Billy Graham was standing outside. It was snowing. It was cold. He didn't have an overcoat on, just the suit he was wearing. And the president asked, could he go with him to discuss more of this issue of the second coming of Christ and the bringing of world peace? And Billy was feeling bad. He was kind of coughing. He, he said, Mr. President, he said, I don't feel good. I don't want to give this thing to you, whatever it is. He said, could we do it another time? And as gracious as he always was, President Kennedy said, that'll be fine. But they never got to have that meeting. For later that year, President Kennedy was assassinated. And in his book about just as I am, Billy Graham said, that my decision that day to not go with the president and talk with him has haunted me all my days. I suspect those ten spies and the decision they made to not trust God and to do what he said to do haunted them the rest of their life as well. You see, there are those times in life and here. January 1. 2023, we stand at the precipice of possibilities as a church, as a people. So my message today is for you to begin to make some decisions in your life personally and in your life corporately that you won't live to regret, that you don't get to a place in your life where you wished you had have done differently. And that happens so much in the lives of God's people. We, we seem to put things off. We seem to just say they're not that important. We just seem to ignore them. And we go on and do our own thing. But there come those times when we realize there was a decision that we had to make, a choice that was given to us by God. And we neglected it. We didn't do it. And there comes those moments and those points in time where, like Billy Graham, and I suspect like those ten spies that said we cannot take the land of Canaan, they regretted their choice. You see, possibilities don't always just show up, and particularly in the relationship to God's people. God presents us with great possibilities in life as an individual, but specifically as a church. And God, in 2023, you need to understand that he's going to present you some possibilities. I can't tell you what day, can't tell you what hour. I just know that he will present to you the opportunity to make the right choices as a people, to do the right thing so that you, as a church, will elevate the community's understanding of who you are. You are a great church. Hopewell Baptist Church has been a great church in the 20 years I've been here in Alabama. I always thought highly of this church and its ministries and its outreaches and its pastors and its staff and its leadership and its people. But I want you to know God's not through with making you great. God has great things for this church in 2023.
23. But here's the challenge. There will be things presented to you. In a sense, spies will be sent out. And there will be opportunities that God has made available to you and to you only. Your choice is to vote by faith, not fear. Your choice is to live by your faith and to not push it aside and say that there's more important things to do than what God has put before this church and my personal role in carrying out my part of that great possibility. So every one of you, this church as a whole, where you're standing at the precipice of opportunity, of possibilities in life. And the challenge is, as a Christian, is that you make the right choice. Many times a Baptist church says, well, we're a democracy. Well, that's not really true. You are a theocracy. You're under God's rule, not the people. Democracy is just a form of carrying out business. You see, democracy, not necessarily, is always the rule of God. Because like when those vote was taken, 10 said we can't do it, even though God said you must, and 2 said they could, and the 10 overruled the 2. The 2 weren't wrong, the 10 were. In a democracy, the vote of the people doesn't always make things right. And in a church, the vote of the people doesn't always make things right. But the right choice made can make a big difference in the life of this church and in your life personally. So this morning I want to, as quickly as I can, look at three very, I think, important points. And I will read a text from Numbers 12 and 13 to show you the biblical foundation for what we're doing. So every great church, and you didn't need to get this in your mind, you are a great church. You are. Now, what you've got to do is live like a great church lives. So you need to carefully consider, to carefully consider the possibilities for your greatness in 2023. They're coming. Some of them are already standing at your door. Possibilities to do things to make a difference, not just in your life personally or in the life of this church, but in the life of this community which God has placed you among to reach and to minister to and to make a difference in. That's what we're here about. It's not just our church. It's the business of our church to make this world where we live in around here better. So listen to what the Lord said in Numbers 13, 1 through 2. The Lord spoke to Moses, Send men to scout out the land of Canaan I am giving to the Israelites. Send one man who is a leader among them from each of their ancestral tribes. You see, you are the tribe of Hopewell, so to speak. You have a role. You play a part. God has gifted and equipped you and wants to use you in ways that you probably never imagined. And he's probably gifted you in some ways that you've wrestled with, struggled with, and maybe have even denied. 
But I want you to know, the possibility may never pass your way again, but that gift will haunt you if you don't use it in the right way. So those 12 went out, and they found the land of Canaan exactly, exactly like God said it would be. Man, the grapes and the pomegranates were so big, it took two men to, to carry it on a stick to, to get them back. And, and they looked at the cities, and they found that they were fortified. They were full of strong people. They were full of people that have giants in their ancestry. And so they told that story when they returned. And to tell that story, they had to bypass everything that God said that was good about that land. And they began to perceive the possibility that was theirs by their own weaknesses, shortcomings, fears, troubles. Rather than seeing that possibility, that opportunity, that Canaan through the eyes of God. Is there anything too hard for God to do? Absolutely not. He can do all things. And we, when we commit our wills to his will, when we commit our ways to his ways, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Now listen, that is used immeasurably on a baseball field, on a football field, on a basketball court. It's used in the pursuit of business and wealth and all this kind of stuff. Let me tell you something. What God wants you to do is not worldly things. God wants you to do the things of God. And the things of God that are most important is this community that surrounds you, that you live in, that you have friends among, you have family that live here, but you have people you don't even know. You have homes that you've never been in. You have things that take place that you know nothing about. You are to be able and will, willing <clears throat> to see your community through the eyes of God, not through your own human frailty. Can't tell you how many times I've been on visitation in a small community somewhere, and we say, Well, let's go up and look at that door. And they say, Nah, I've known that person all his life. Leave him alone. Is that the right choice to make? Well, no. You don't determine when that man's saved. God determines it when that man takes a divine appointment, your presence. And here's the word of God and responds to it. It has nothing to do with you other than you were a messenger. And it's the same. Oh, that, that part of our community wants to be left alone. Well, yeah, they want to be left alone, but God doesn't want them to be left alone. So why are we, leaving, why are we listening to them rather than God? So the idea is here is in our lives there are those times when we as a church do surveys, learn things about our community, and our church is responsible to do all we can to use all our effort and energies and resources to reach those people for Christ. That's our purpose. That's why we exist. We don't come to worship on Sunday to get something out of it. If you come to get, you've missed the purpose of worship. 
Worship is to give, to give back to God how he has blessed you. And particularly to give back to God when he's blessed you with people who want to be left alone, begin coming and sitting in his pews where you can begin a relationship with them and learn to love them and care for them like you love your own family. So, there are opportunities and possibilities right here in front of you. You see, we always want to measure a great church by some big church in two states over or some big church in our town that we, we run, I'm just throwing numbers out, 50 in Sunday school and they run 500. That's a great church. You know how Dr. Joel Gregory Great old former Southern Baptist got himself in some trouble out at First Dallas, but he's still a man of God. You know how he defines greatness? He defines greatness by how you deal with that which surrounds you the closest. Your greatness is not measured in some other church. Your greatness is measured by what you do with your and that's what greatness ought to be. Greatness ought to not be about somebody else and we must become like them. What God wants us to do is become more like him. And then when we become more like him, what we discover is we care more about them. And so today, Hope World Baptist Church is positioned at the precipice of possibility. Unquestionably, God brought 2023 into play so that we might recognize some of the new opportunities that are going to be ours. Now, I'm going to take a little break. I I'm not trying to imitate Barry, all right? But my mouth is dry. <laughs> my feet aren't antsy, but my mouth is dry. And we are to capitalize on those possibilities. When I say we're at the precipice, the precipice is the jumping off place. The precipice is where you can fall to your death or you can trust God and do things you'd never imagined you'd be able to do. So to fail to do what God wants you to do is not good. But to attempt what God has put before you no matter how big the challenge or the problem, is to be a right center in the will of God. I don't know where this baloney of Christianity has come into play where God's people are to be blessed above all others. God's people are to be able to not get sick, not catch cancer, not ever have a family breakup. No, you're human just like the lost person out there. You bleed just like he bleeds. You get sick like he gets sick. The issue and the difference between them and us is how we see what's going on in the world and how it affects us and what we do with it. The church has got to get a whole lot better in doing with the possibilities what God expects them to do. In Numbers 13, 17 through 22, Moses writes, 
when Moses sent them to scout out, scout out the land of Canaan, he told them, go up this way to the Negev and go up into the hill country, see what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. Is the land they live in good or bad? Are the cities they live in encampments or fortifications? Is the land fertile or unproductive? Are there trees in it or not? Be courageous. Bring back some fruit from the land. It was the season for the first ripe grape. So they went up and scattered out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob near the entrance to Hamath. They went up through the Negev and they came to Hebron. Take a ride some Saturday in a 15-mile radius of your church. I can remember being in the ministry over 40-something years. I can remember being in a church and they say, well, our circumference of five miles is as far as we can go. Anybody beyond that should be in another church. Have you ever heard such silly stuff in your life? Well, I'm not telling the story. I, I've lived it. You've got to get a vision, a holy vision, a heavenly vision of what God is willing to do through your church right here. I'm telling you, since I've semi-retired from Southside and went into the interim or transitional ministry, and I've been privileged to, to work with seven churches, it's amazing to see the mindset, once again, of how people think. Well, they, they live too far to come here. What's too far? I, I, I've spent nearly 20 years in Texas. I've seen people drive 50, 75 miles one way to go to a good church to go to First Dallas, to go to Prestonwood Baptist Church. The distance has an impact on you, but I'm telling you, if God's there and they want to be with God, they're going. And if God's here and people want to be with God, they'll come here. Andalusia, they'll drive down from Samson. They'll come. So, so don't put a limit on who can come and be a part of this. Now, that means it kind of threatens your little community gathering. You know, it means that you won't always know everybody that's sitting by you. But is that so bad in God's house? Isn't this thing supposed to be all about him and not us? Well, that's what we do. So God is telling Hopewell Baptist Church to thoroughly, to explore thoroughly God's promises for greatness in this land, in the community in which you live. Greatness as defined about how you do with what is in your wheelhouse here. Okay? Secondly, as you search out the edge of greatness or the precipice of possibilities, make sure Hopewell Baptist Church is willing to courageously commit to the possibility of that greatness. You know, looking at church here today, and your pastor's not here, so I would suspect there'd even be more people here. Do you know when a church gets to 80% of its occupancy, if it doesn't already have a plan in place, it begins to dwindle in attendance? Nobody likes to sit too close together. 
<clears throat> Sometimes my wife in church kind of scooch over a little bit to get a little room. <clears throat> and so what I'm saying is, is the possibilities may not be easy. It may cost you something. But that's all right. You're invested in heavenly things. I don't know about you. I got a little note from one of my investments yesterday and made me cry. <laughs> I mean, I've lost, and I ain't got much, but I've lost so much. My, my son tells me he's going to have to go. He's in his 50s. He said, I'm have, Dad, I'm going to have to work to send me to get back what I've lost. It, it's sad. But I want you to know something. When you lay up yourselves treasures in heaven where moths cannot bother it and thieves can't steal it, it pays dividends like you can't imagine. Put your money where it counts. I always tell people, they say, well, what organization should I, should I contribute to? I say, from my perspective, people say, you know, I, I give to the Red Cross, and I'm not, I'm not bugging the Red Cross. I don't give to the Red Cross. I give to Alabama Baptist. 100% of my gift goes to the people who it needs. 100%. Everybody else has to take a little bit out. That's the value of volunteerism. That's the value of working together. So I always want to put my money where I get the biggest bang for the buck. And that's in Alabama Baptist. So what I'm trying to say is here is that it takes courage to make a commitment to do what needs to be done. Well, what if in your search, when you look around in your community, you, you find a place that needs a church? Well, do you start praying that they can build one? Or do you start praying, let's build one and give it to them and let them use it and reach people themselves? You, you see this thing about a Christian is always about receiving? You need to flip that coin. It's all about our giving. Why do you think God said bring your tithes to the storehouse? I can't tell you. The number of times in being a transitional pastor in those seven churches over these last few years, the prayers I hear at an altar or at a uh, taking the offering, bless these gifts, God. Newsflash, God's not after your gifts. He demands you to tithe. Didn't give you an option. Didn't say, check this box off. He said, bring the tithe into the storehouse. Don't send it to a singing group somewhere. Don't send it to another organization somewhere. Bring it to God's house. And when God's house receives those tithes, there just seems to be always an abundance of things enough to do that we have the resources to do them. So we just got to get this plan back in place. And that is, so search out, see what the needs are, and then be courageous about being willing to commit to get the job done to the best of your ability. You see, that's the sign of greatness. Not how big it gets, but the effort that you put in to make it what it can be. So courageously, courageously commit to that. Sadly, in a Baptist church, votes of courage and faith don't overrule 
weakness and uh, selfishness. And, and so it's something that we've really got to work on. And we've got to learn that we are a theocracy set here to do the will of God, not a democracy to make this building and this place what we want it to be. Churches split with the color of the carpet. Churches split over what color should we paint when we paint this year. And they fight and they argue and they lose membership. Now, do you think that honors and pleases God? No, it doesn't. And that's why we need to focus on the things that really make a difference in the kingdom of God. And the color of your carpet and the color of your church makes no difference whatsoever. But people do. People count to God. Colors. People. So let faith rule in your church in the coming year. God can act in mighty and easily recognizable ways. If God gives you all the vision of doing something to beautify your church, if it can't be done orderly, I suggest you not do it. If it's going to cause a problem, there's better ways to put your energy to work. Because God's ways are recognizable. And God's not about putting people at odds and facing each other and getting all upset and whatnot. You see, I, I love what Dr. Gregory says. He says, quote, It is not... What meets the eye, but the person behind the eye that counts. And what does that mean? That, that, that means that we look it into people's eyes, but it's really what's behind those eyes. What do those eyes see? What do those eyes direct that person to do? What decision to make? where to invest their, their own lives, where to use their own giftedness in the church. It's, we need to understand that what somebody looks out from, it really determines and it reveals what's in their heart. And if they, you constantly come, you, you constantly look, but you've never engaged, you never get involved, you never learn to sacrifice, well, your eyes are blurry. You're not seeing just right. And so I challenge you that it takes a courageous commitment to do church the way God set church up to be done. And you're a great church, and you can be a greater church, but the greatness of your church is not going to be measured in its beauty its size, how many will it hold, the ease of access to it. It's going to be measured by what you see and what you do about what you see of the kingdom of God. And finally, I'm going to challenge you. You need to cautiously, cautiously calculate the consequences for circumventing the possibility. 
it's amazing how far a church will move to not have to do something. Sometimes, like I say, what God reveals is just undeniable. It's remarkably clear. And yet we do all we can to circumvent it, to go around it, to not have to deal with it. But we only hurt ourselves. And But when we hurt ourselves, we end up hurting others because we are the ones that God says, I want you to help them. So be a church in 2023 that can really make a difference in your community, in your Hopewell community. Search it as far as you're willing and able to go to see what the needs are, the people that needs to be reached, and do all you can to reach and minister to them. Now, remember, it will not be easy because when you get out there and you come back and talk to somebody about it, you're either going to be one of the ten spies or one of the two spies. You're either going to look at it with your eyes and say, hey, that's just too big for us. And if you think that and you say that, then you're looking through your possibility, your own eyes, not God's. Because God is the one that put it in front of us. He's the one. He got us. He finally got us there to see the possibility. Now, what are we going to do with it? So there's a consequence to not doing what God wants us to do. In uh, 1976, 66, I graduated from high school. I was a three-sport letterman. Got some offers to play football. Signed a scholarship with a little small school in South Carolina, Newberry College. It was known for putting out some of the best teachers in the state. And so I went up, and my first year there, uh, Benji Kirkland, the coach's son, was a senior in the quarterback. Ain't going to mess with Benji. The guy behind him was Ray Hesse. He was a junior, so he had his junior and senior year of eligibility. He went on to become a doctor in Saluda. Then there was me. Number three. So they redshirted me. So for a whole year, I dressed out and went to the games, but never got to play, you know, had to practice and all that kind of stuff. But I could see far enough ahead that when Benji leaves and Ray leaves, I just may be the guy. So in the, my first year of eligibility, I was a sophomore, but my first year of eligibility, it was homecoming. I'd fallen in love with this little blonde-headed girl. We'll be married 55 years in January, so it stuck. I, I used to say I went to school to play football, and I really went to school to find my bride. <laughs> so Ray was the quarterback. I was the second. A shoestring broke on his cleat. So Coach Kirkland, Coach Kirkland was an aged man. He had one philosophy of football. Three yards in a cloud of dust. If you didn't make it three yards, you punted. I mean, it was old school all the way. Well, the school I played in was a little different. So 
he looked at me and he said, Preacher, come here. So I ran up to the side of the line. He said, now, one play, one play. Hand it off to Taylor. You got that? Hand it off to Taylor and then you come out. I said, yes, sir. So I ran into the huddle. Well, a guy that came in with me uh, in, in 1966 was named Roger Hazel. He graduated, went on to be a successful coach up in the Columbia, South Carolina area. And he came in. He's a tall, lanky guy. He said, Bill. He said, I've been beating my guy all day long. And we were losing. So he said, if you let me go down and cut in, I can beat him. I said, all right, Roger, go down and in. The ball will be waiting on you. So the ball snapped. I dropped back. He made his cut. I threw it. 33 yards, touchdown, we won homecoming. And on the front cover of the Newberian, that was their yearbook, someone caught a picture of my wife going, <laughs> I, got, I got it in my house, one of my most precious treasures. See, it just overwhelmed her, you know, when the people out. So I come trotting off the field, and Coach Kirkham said, you're getting the edge of the story here now. He said, young man, that's the last play you'll ever play here at Newberry College. And he was a man of his word. I never got back in another game. You see, Coach Kirkland was trying to teach me that obedience was more important than my free willing attitude about what I wanted to do. I think that's what the church needs to learn today. What we do is not about you. Not about your attitude. It's about God and what he has told us to do. And if we don't do it, well, let me tell you something. The opportunity to take Canaan in a way that God would have blessed it never came back around. See, that's the funny thing about opportunities and possibilities. Once you miss them, you don't always get them back. So I don't want you to miss the possibility that's going to be thrown your way in 2023. I want you to have the courage to be the person of faith that when something's put before this church to vote, you vote not your will, but thy will be done. You vote the will of God. And how do you know the will of God? You find it in his inspired book called the Bible. If you're called to build something to reach people, say yes. If you're called to become part of a group that's going to go out and, and, and circulate and share, that's the will of God. Take the gospel to the uttermost part of the world. Don't question it. Just by faith, sign up with it and get involved in it. Take your scrap and scrapes and realize that work is not easy unless you're an accountant or work for the government so what I'm trying to tell you is there's a plethora of possibilities that are just being moved into place by God right here in your church and my challenge to you is take it when it's put before you Trust the will of God. Trust his blessings. Trust his promises. And go forth. And you know what? If you can believe in Dr. Gregory's 
definition of what greatness is. It's what you do with where you are. I can't tell you the number of people in my ministry that's want to go on, that has wanted to go on a mission trip but would not go next door to the neighbor and tell them about Jesus. The measure of anybody is what we do with what God has given us with those that are nearest and closest to us and around us and how we deal with it. That's the sign of greatness. Not that you got your name put somewhere, but that you made a difference in the life of somebody who nobody else would ever have made a difference in. That's a great man or woman. And that's a great church. Would you bow with me? Heavenly Father, greatness is something we all desire in some shape or form. But rarely do we desire greatness the way you measure it. Father, we are willing so often to use every resource we have to do more for ourselves. There's nothing wrong with taking care of ourselves except when we take care of ourselves, but we neglect others. So, Lord, possibilities, they're beginning to surface, and they're going to be unmistakable. They will be clear as a bell. And we're going to have to search our, our faith and our heart to make sure that we are genuinely a people, a person, of faith and trust in God. Lord, as we read your word and those who followed you so closely, it didn't win, end well for most of them. And I believe even today, if we are faithful to you, it may not end like we would like to. But you know, Lord, if we're going to end, and we all will, it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. And I think it's important that we understand that when our end comes, that we have loved and obeyed you. And we have sought to do your will, not our will. Your people are unique, Lord. There are none like them anywhere in the world. Father, this 2023 20, year, as we stand on that precipice of possibilities, the, the edge of greatness, let us become even a greater church here at Hopewell Baptist Church. And may we really make a difference in this community that will have outdone anything we've ever done because you have shown us today the possibilities are on the path that leads to victory and fulfillment, success, for exceeding and all those wonderful things we want to do. We just need to make sure that we're doing all those things for the right way, for the right person, at the right time. So, Lord, here we are, your people today. Our hearts are yours. I pray for an opening of each of our hearts. 
I pray for a focus of our mind to the things that we've heard from your word. And I pray, Lord, that we will not pass up the possibility of doing what you want us to do. And I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. And one final note.